Um, so what I want to talk about is hope. I want to talk about hope. Um, what I find when I travel around the world, like I do, um, I travel somewhere different every month, pretty much, and I find that people lack hope. They lack hope. People need a miracle of all kinds of things, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a family problem, a relationship, a marriage issue, whether it's they can't have children, whether it's a, they, ch- they do have children and the children have kind of gone off the rails a little bit or they're a fi- in a financial mess or they need a breakthrough in their workplace. There's always something going on. Hey, you know, they never told you that when you came became a Christian, did they? Uh, but the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But then it says, but the Lord will deliver them from them all. So it's kind of what happens when you're a Christian. You know, it's not always a straight, easy road, is it? Imagine if it was. Wouldn't that be great? But, you know, you don't sign up to church, sign up to be a Christian, and all your problems just disappear. It's not that easy. We have this thing called life to navigate through. And I could stand here all day and tell you stories of life and how it's been tough to do what we do. Okay, this ain't for wimps. It's not for just casual Sunday Christians. To do this kind of thing takes commitment, takes dedication, takes a lot of guts to keep doing the same thing. That's hard. You know, it's hard. About two and a half years ago, I was in Kenya, and I was um, doing what I always do in Kenya. We have very hard mission trips. You know, they are, they're not easy. They're very enjoyable, I must say, but they're not easy. We get up early in the morning. We stay till late at night. We work hard, okay? Lots goes into that. Uh, we do practical stuff. We, we give, um, do medical work. We play with the kids. We have lots of fun. We also do spiritual stuff. We have four churches there that we planted, so we teach the Bible. We do gospel evangelism. It, it's just the full package of missions is what we do. So it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty fulfilling, and, um, but it's hard work. It's hard work. Now, on one particular trip two and a half years ago, I got back to England. I was there for just two days, and then I flew straight to America. And we have an office based here. We have staff here. We do kind of a few preaching tours every year where we just go and do this and share in churches and raise support and tell people what's going on. And I was doing a huge um, a banquet in Mobile, Alabama. And we had some business people coming. They were going to raise some money, support one of our future projects. It was going to be great. So I was the guest speaker that night. Now, I got to Kentucky, first of all, where I was speaking, and Ohio area, and suddenly started to feel very sick. Now, don't know about you, but as a man, I don't like to admit when I feel sick. Most men don't like to admit when they feel sick. But I thought, well, hey, I'll keep going. You know, I'll not complain. I'll just keep preaching and see what happens. So I got up one Sunday morning, and I was so sick. I actually thought, and this is rare for me, I'm not even going to be able to go and preach this. I felt so sick. But I thought, you know what? Come on. Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wimp. Get it done. So I go. I preach. I do okay. I feel like I get through the service. But then suddenly, I kind of feel a bit, a bit sick straight after. And I fall to sleep in the car. I'm shaking. I'm shivering. I'm sweating. I get back to my house where I'm staying, and I'm feeling really ill. And I'm thinking, man, this is this is pretty rough. So, the next day I have to fly 
through Alabama via Atlanta. You know, they always send you through Atlanta. Someone said when Jesus comes back to take us home, he's going to stop by Atlanta on the way home. Because it feels like every flight you go anywhere in the world, you go via Atlanta. So I got to Alabama, I got to Mobile, and I was so sick. I was so sick. And I thought, I'm going to have to do what none of us want to do. I'm going to have to go and see the doctor. Now, here's where you guys are going to think I'm a bit crazy. You're going to think, does that really happen in 2017? But in England, we don't pay to see a doctor. Okay? And American people, when I tell them that, they think, are you joking me? You don't really know how much I pay. And we don't have, so we don't have health insurance. Our government just kind of takes care of our health as part of our taxes. So we kind of do pay for it, but it's just a little bit different. There's no, there's no health insurance. Um, so if you break your leg, you go to the hospital, they fix your leg, you go home. There's no bill, there's no documents. You just get your leg fixed. You know, you get it. So when they told me, here, it doesn't work like that, I was a little bit surprised. So my friend says, hey, I can take you to a doctor, but it's going to cost you. I'm like, what? Pay to see a doctor? Are you kidding? That's like crazy. So I go in there, and the guy takes $100 off just to look at me. I'm like, is that how much it costs you guys? And um, now here's the kind of miracle. Now here's where people think this, this can't be true. Um, they said, the doctor said to me, Whew. he said, um, he actually gave me my money back. It's a miracle. How many people here had money back from a doctor? Exactly. And he said to me, I'm going to give you your money back. And here's the first miracle God did for me. This guy was a spirit-filled Catholic medical missionary. Okay? So he had an instant connection with me. He was a Christian, believing man, and he wanted to help me. So he gave me my money back. Hallelujah. And he said, I'm going to take care of your costs while you're under my care. Okay? So I'm like, wow, thank you, Doc. Let's do this. He took some tests. He said, you are really, really sick, but I'm going to give you some medication. Hopefully, in two days' time, you'll be better. If you're not better, you must come back. Very clear. So I'm like, okay. I'll go back. So I took the medication, and to be honest, nothing really improved. In fact, I started to get a bit worse. So I thought, hmm. I better go and back. I better go and see what this guy's got to say. So I go back to the to the doctor, and this time, he, I mean, I can barely even walk. I can't even get to the restroom. I can't walk. I'm like stumbling into the doctor's office. I say, man, this is terrible. He took one look at me. He said, "You need to go to hospital right now." He took some tests on my blood. He freaks out. He says, "I'm calling the hospital. Get there now." I get to the hospital, and I walk in. My wife has to drop me off at the door. She goes and parks the car. I can't even walk. And I collapse in a heap on the floor. And I start to vomit. I start to just collapse. My head's going crazy. And I think, this is terrible. Then, out of nowhere, I'm in a wheelchair. 
I'm in a wheelchair and I've got about 10 doctors and nurses around me and they are quizzing me like crazy. What are you doing? Where have you been? Who have you been to? What's wrong? Here's the irony of the story. Okay, At that exact week, the big news had broke out around the world that Ebola was starting to spread. You remember it, yeah? You remember it. And they said these words to me. They said, Mr. Murray, we think you might have Ebola. You have every symptom. Okay. Now, I've been in some pretty dangerous situations in my life as a missionary. That's what happens. I remember in India one time in 2009 when a load of Hindus showed up with a load of knives and said, we're going to kill you if you don't stop preaching. I remember the time my plane nearly crashed in um, Sierra Leone. And when we landed, there were fire engines on the runway because lightning was missing the plane by what seemed like meters. Um, I remember getting some Islamic opposition in Sierra I've been through a few situations. I've not had it rough as some people have, but I've had some pretty dangerous situations. But this was up there. When they tell you you might have Ebola, and the whole world is freaking out about Ebola because there's pretty much no cure, you start to panic. Anyone here ever been scared? Yeah? Been scared. It's okay to get scared. No matter how tough you are, it's okay to admit you got scared. Listen, I was scared. I was terrified. They said to me, we're going to have to quarantine you, put you in an isolation unit. No one can have any contact with you until we work out what's wrong. It's really scary. When you're English, you're in America, you don't know what's going on, you don't have your family, you don't have your friends, you don't have your comforts of your own nation, and you're starting to just freak out. It's pretty scary. Pretty scary. So they put me in this room. Now, when doctors and nurses are too scared to touch you, you know something's wrong. When they don't even want to walk in the room, you think, hmm, this is getting pretty serious. So I was terrified. My wife was there. My little boy, who was three at the time, was there. He couldn't even go into the room to see me. They both had to wave at me through a screen. The doctors would come dressed in the full suits. And it was the most terrifying thing in my life. Here's the thing, what's important. I was all alone in that room, and yet I wasn't all alone in that room. Because 12 years earlier, I'd put my trust in Christ. And I made a decision that I was going to follow Christ. And nothing was going to change that. Nothing was going to stop that. I was going to follow Jesus. And when I made that decision, I realized that I put my faith in God. Now, remember, life's not always easy. Life can be quite difficult. But I made that decision to put my faith in Jesus. Okay? He was right there with me. Things got worse. Think, well, how can they get worse? Well, they tested me for every disease known to man. They started to test me for, you name it, I've been tested for it. And the results started to come back. They said it'll take three days to get a negative on Ebola. They had to send the results to Dallas and then get them back. They said, but you do have malaria. And I honestly thought, 
Thank you, Jesus. I've never been so happy to be told I had malaria. Because we get kids in Africa all the time, get malaria, give them some tablets, they get better. I thought it'll be easier, easier. Not so, apparently. You see, where we live, where I come from, in Kenya, it's a very high-risk malaria zone. So it's probably the worst part of, one of the worst parts of Kenya for malaria. And when, I, um, when they told me that, they said, look, if you get 5% of it in your blood, it can kill you. 5% can kill you. We've done a test on you, and you're already at 20%. Okay? Now, at this point, I go unconscious. I'm gone. Okay? So this part of the story has been told back to me by my wife and by close friends who were there and doctors. So 25% can kill you. I'm at 20%. A few days go by, 2nd of October, 2014. I go from 20% to 50%. 50, half of my bloodstream is filled with malaria. Okay? Now you think, well, why don't they give you medication? They did give me medication. The problem is my body was allergic to the medication, so rejected it. If that's not bad enough, all my organs then start to collapse. My heart, my lungs, my liver, my kidneys, and my brain all start to get damaged. And they say to my wife, look, his organs are now starting to go into failure. This is called cerebral malaria. It's the worst possible kind. There's nothing more we can do. His body's rejecting the medication. We've done some research. We don't know of anyone in the world ever who has recovered from this form, this strain of such severe malaria. There's nothing else we can do. I mean, that's a pretty bleak diagnosis right there. Okay? Don't know what you're going through. Don't know what situation you're going on, but that's pretty rough. Here's what they said to her. Their words, not ours. We're not just kind of dressing this up for y'all. They said to her, we, we can't do anything else. We think in the next three hours, his body will completely fail and he'll die. It could just happen this way. kids to rescue, orphanages to build, churches to plant. We've got all kinds of things going on. Yet here we are, a little kid, getting told he's about to go down for malaria. That's terrible. Just think about your situation right now. Think about what you need from God. So we're going to pray for you in a bit. Now, my wife's a great woman of God. She loves to pray. She loves to worship. She's a phenomenal speaker. She rescues children. So she did what all good women of God would do in that situation. And she got on Facebook. And you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? You thought I was going to say she spoke in other tongues for three hours. She got on Facebook. Good old Facebook. She gets the phone out. And she types in, Please pray for Matthew. 
That's it. Please pray for Matthew. We need a miracle. Three hours go by. What happened next, friends, is the most incredible thing I have ever witnessed in my life. In my life. People from all over the world began to see this message on Facebook. They began to like it, share it, comment on it, whatever they got to do. They saw it. And people just began to give. And they began to pray. This is why being part of church is important. Okay? We don't just want you to show up every Sunday to make the numbers up. Okay? You need for your own sanity for your own salvation, for your own livelihood, you need to be part of a body of people. Because church will give you something that no other organization on the planet will give you. It will give you community. It will give you family. You can't get that at the local football club. You can't get that just by going out fishing. Okay? The church offers something so beautiful, so beautiful. And the church began to pray for Matthew. And people messaged in from South America, from Africa, from Asia, from Australia, from Europe. You name it. I'm praying for you. We're praying for you. We're standing in the gap. We're with you. And they got this. His name, I don't know what he looks like, but I'm praying for him. And three hours went by. The doctor calls her into a room. This is where we need to speak to you. She goes in there. And they say, we, we just cannot explain this, but something has happened in the last three hours, which we cannot explain. That malaria has gone from 50% right down to 10% with no medicine involved. And it's going, it's disappearing. Every time we take a test, it's just disappearing. Went from 10 to 5 to 3 to 1 to 3. It completely disappeared. Then I start to regain consciousness. I lost a lot of weight. I'd not eaten for two weeks. Been fed through a tube, all that stuff. Blood transfusions, had three or four of those. My lungs were collapsing. They started to get better. I started to learn how to walk again. I couldn't, I'd not moved my legs for two, de- two weeks, so it t- took a bit of time. But you forget how to use your legs. It's a strange feeling. Um, my heart was feeling better. My liver, they said, is totally normal now. My brain, well, some would debate whether that ever fully recovered. I'd like to think it's okay. But then they said, your kidneys are very severely damaged and you'll never have normal kidneys. And uh, anyone heard of dialysis? Okay. So they hook you up, they drill a hole in your neck, they stick a tube in you, and they hook you up to this big six-foot machine, and you go on it for five hours at a time, Monday to Friday. I had ten of those sessions. Drains you the life out of you. It's very tiring. You can't eat or talk or walk. You can't do anything. you just got to sit there. And they said, you'll have to have this for the rest of your life. Now, listen, 
I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I honestly thought, God, did you really heal me? Did you really save me from death? Keep me on that machine for the rest. Now, my friend was coming to see me that Sunday. He's a, he's a, he's a preacher from Orlando, and he moves in healing. He has a real gift of healing on his life. Now, they gave me Saturday and Sunday off of the dialysis. He walks through my door on the Sunday. He says, Matthew, God spoke to me. And when people say that, I always get a bit, you know, a lot of people say that, don't they? Especially when they don't want to do something. Um, or when they're trying to get out of something. You know, they throw God in there. So I thought, okay, let's see what he's got to say. He said, God spoke to me and said, it's over this week. I thought, wow, that's pretty specific. So he prayed for me. He went away. Then Monday morning came by. The doctor ran through the door and said, Matthew, you're not going to believe this. Try me. He said, something changed in your kidneys over the weekend. And we're going to give you one more day off this machine, but you'll be back on it tomorrow. I'm like, okay. That's interesting. I said, doctor, a healing evangelist from Orlando came to see me. He said, he prayed for me in Jesus' name and believed that I'm going to be healed. The doctor looked at me. He thought I was crazy. He thought it did go to his brain. <laughs> Tuesday comes by. The same thing happens again. He said, Matthew, something else changed overnight. We're going to give you one more day off the dialysis, but you'll be back on it tomorrow. I'm like, come on. Doctor, God, heal me. And he's laughing at me. I said, well, Wednesday comes around. Hey, Matthew. You're not going to believe. You know where this is going, don't you? You know where this is going. He said, Matthew, something changed, doctor, last night. Again. We'll give you one more day off the machine. I'm like, doctor, will you stop saying that? I'm getting out of here. In Jesus' name. And that afternoon, a lady knocked on my door. She said, are you Mr. Mann? I said, yes. She said, the doctor sent me around to your room. And he wants me to take this machine away. And he wants it for another patient. And she wheeled that machine out of the room and told me I'd be on it for the rest of my life. Five days after, the guy said, it's over this week. I was discharged with a clean bill of health. And I've been running around the world ever since, spreading the gospel of Christ and helping little kids hear about Jesus. Anyone lacking hope today? I just felt I've got to share that this morning. I've got a full sermon. It's great. It's good. I worked on it. I preached it. I'm, it would have helped you. But sometimes you've just got to hear a story of what God did. It would have been so easy for me today just to reel off a sermon. And You get great preachers all the time. But I just had to be real with you and tell you a story of what God has done in my life. So pretty much it pretty much it